Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our first episode of 2024, and I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday and a happy New Year's. Uh, before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Fiber for Breakfast. You know, last week, we saw all 56 states and territories submit their initial proposals to NTIA. So, so far, Louisiana's initial proposal has been approved, so congratulations, Vineeth and Thomas. And NTI has authorized the first 20% of their $1.3 billion uh, fund. Uh, we think Virginia and Kansas should be next to get approved, and uh, we'll work, you know, NTI will work through all those um, existing 56 proposals. Also, last week, NTI released its approach to the uniform guidance in the BEAD program. And in short, NTI's policy will directionally align with Treasury's approach, which is good. And it includes things like providing flexibility for program income, which is great, uh, leveraging in the efficiencies of fixed amount subgrants, um, enabling permissionless network upgrades, fantastic, and establishing a 10-year federal interest period for broadband infrastructure projects. You know, as we move into 2024, our first regional event is uh, will be on February 8th in Richmond. And we have an amazing lineup of speakers, including my good buddy, Joey Winder from Treasury, who still has a billion dollars left to spend on broadband infrastructure from the $10 billion Treasury Capital Projects Fund. So registration for Rich Richmond is open, so please register today, because this event will definitely sell out. Uh, you can register by going to richmond.fbaevent.org. And other um, regional events are gonna include Little Rock in April, Deer Valley, Utah in June, Des Moines in September, and Albuquerque in um, November. But also the granddaddy is the Fiber Connect 2024 conference in Nashville, July 28 to 31. So we'll actually the whole team will be in Nashville next week at the Gaylord getting ready for this big event. So it takes the whole year to get ready for the big conference and uh, we'll be spending the week doing that next week. So that brings us today's Fire for Breakfast session with Kevin Robinson, the president and CEO of the Wi-Fi Alliance, discuss Wi-Fi 7 plus fiber delivering the next generation of home connectivity. Last week on Fire for Breakfast, our guest was no other than Tom Cohen, FBA's chief regulatory counsel and general counsel and a partner at Kelly Dry. And he discussed a year in review, a Washington recap. And Tom walked us through a quick summary of what happened at NTI, RUS, Treasury, the FCC, and basically everything going on on the, you know, from the agencies in Washington on broadband policy and funding last year. Um, and he gave us a quick glance into what to expect for this year coming up. So it was a really great session. Tom is uh, the guy, the man in Washington. So. If you missed it, you can watch the replay or listen to the podcast. Today in Five for Breakfast, our guest is Kevin Robinson, the president and CEO of the Wi-Fi Alliance, to discuss Wi-Fi 7 plus fiber delivering the next generation of home connectivity. 
You know, Kevin is a 15-year veteran of the Wi-Fi Alliance and became CEO of the organization in October 2022. Kevin is focused on securing sufficient, harmonized global Wi-Fi spectrum, deepening engagement and cohesion across the Wi-Fi ecosystem, and evolving organization to ensure it remains as nimble as industry it serves. Serving as the Wi-Fi Alliance's Vice President of Marketing for the last seven years, Kevin led many of the organization's most transformative initiatives and has been a leading ambassador for promoting Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi Alliance as a collaboration forum worldwide. So welcome, Kevin. And for audience, please type in your questions as we go, and we'll work them into the Q&A at the end. So with that, I will turn things over to Kevin. Great, Gary. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I mean, I think, I'm sure anybody on this call probably appreciates the the, the strong complementary nature of fixed, you know, fixed operators and Wi-Fi. Um, I'm sure we could kind of go through all of our, our, our analogies, peas and carrots, peanut butter, chocolate, you know, fiber and coffee, whatever, right? But, you know, our, our two industries really are not successful uh, without, without each other. And that, that's just a reality. Um, and so I'm going to speak a little bit about what's on the horizon with Wi-Fi in terms of the next generation of Wi-Fi, uh, why that's important to the fiber industry, and maybe some of the challenges, particularly in the more of the regulatory spectrum space, that I think are really important for the fiber industry to be paying attention to, uh, as it ultimately is something that's going to enable you to accomplish your own uh, market and industry objectives through Wi-Fi. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump in just a little bit about uh, Wi-Fi Alliance itself. So we can go to the next slide. Uh, of course, Wi-Fi Alliance is the worldwide network of companies that bring you Wi-Fi. Uh, we're coming up on our, our 25th anniversary. Um, some of the things that we're really focused on in terms of our mission, uh, of course, driving each subsequent generation of Wi-Fi technology. We're really right on, kind of on the cusp of Wi-Fi 7, which is the latest generation of Wi-Fi. Um, and so that, that's just something that's kind of every, every year that that's what we're working on is always continuing to push the boundaries of what's possible with each generation of Wi-Fi. Um, increasingly, you're starting to see a focus within Wi-Fi Alliance around improving the quality of service and the customer experience. Um, we hear this, I know, you know, I know a lot of the fiber organizations are focused on kind of Wi-Fi wi experience, customer experience. And that's something that really you see a lot of technology development within Wi-Fi Alliance to really kind of push that forward. And we'll get into a little bit about where, where we're doing that. And of course, interoperability is absolutely central to what we do. So Wi-Fi certified is one of the main tools that we use to ensure that devices, you know, whether it's your access points, your gateways, or the end client devices work well together, regardless of vendor. Um, and so while we continue to work on each subsequent generation of Wi-Fi, what you're increasingly seeing is we're not just doing kind of this initial development to get that generation out to the market, but we're making sure that those devices and as the, the let's say, as the, the broader ecosystem adopts each generation of Wi-Fi, that those devices are maintaining that interoperability promise through Wi-Fi certified. Uh, you know, we're bringing in service providers, uh, client vendors, enterprise AP manufacturers, chipset vendors, to really look at what devices out in the field, what does real world interoperability look like to make sure that we're addressing any of those challenges that operators may be facing. Another thing is integrating complementary technologies. Wi-Fi Alliance has strong relationships, strong relationships with organizations like Connectivity Standards Alliance, which manages the, the Matter ecosystem, Wireless Broadband Alliance, 
in other organizations like that to ensure that it, you know it's not just this one piece of Wi-Fi. Yes, Wi-Fi is absolutely essential to connectivity, but it's how Wi-Fi pairs with fiber, cable, how it pairs with mobile networks, uh, with the application layers and service layers that live on top of Wi-Fi. All of those pieces have to work well together to ultimately deliver a good user experience. And then finally, one of the most important focus areas, particularly over the last couple of years, is in the area of uh, spectrum advocacy, regulatory advocacy. Uh, we're really very much focused on ensuring that six gigahertz spectrum is available and that it's harmonized globally. I think you know fiber and other operators in the U.S. Uh, you know areas like U.S., uh, South Korea, Brazil, et cetera, where they've made the full 1,200 megahertz available, are in a very strong position to be able to deliver multi-gigabit connectivity down to every device. It's important that we start looking at the rest of the world to ensure that they are kind of harmonizing with that so that again, these fiber deployments with massive investment are ultimately going to deliver the deliver on the goals and the vision of, of what's what's expected. So those are just some of the areas in terms of where we're, we've been focused. Uh, and I'm gonna get into some of the, kind of on the immediate roadmap, what you can expect to see from Wi-Fi. So as I as already mentioned, Wi-Fi and fiber together are key ingredients for advanced connectivity. Uh, as you may already know, Wi-Fi carries most internet traffic generated today. I mean, literally more, you know, more than 50% of every single packet going over the internet is going over a Wi-Fi connection. Um, so Wi-Fi has, you know, has demonstrated over time its ability to deliver on the, kind of this massive capacity. But we've seen, particularly since the beginning of the pandemic, as you had more hybrid work scenarios, you know, I'm, I'm broadcasting right now from my home, right? This most likely would not have happened very frequently prior to the pandemic. Uh, but you're seeing between that hybrid work, you're seeing now more demanding applications in AR, VR, you know, VR gaming happening in the home. Um, you're seeing industrial IoT that has very, very stringent latency requirements. Um, and many of those networks, of course, being served by fiber as well. Um, and you're seeing in, you know, healthcare. So really just about every, every environment where Wi-Fi is deployed, which is pretty much every environment, uh, you're seeing increasing demands for higher bandwidth. Um, you're seeing increasing demands for not only lower latency, which Wi-Fi could always deliver pretty good low, low latency experience, but consistent low latency or more deterministic low latency. So all of that is placing kind of incredible demands on what Wi-Fi has to be able to deliver as that key ingredient that sits between the broadband connection and the devices that are actually making use of that broadband. Um, and then, of course, with the next generation of Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi 7, um, that paired with fiber is really going to deliver on these advanced connectivity requirements, particularly in the home. Um, and again, I'll tie this back into the, the regulatory space. Yes, Wi-Fi 7 is built from the ground up, taking into account 6 gigahertz. Um, yes, Wi-Fi 7 will deliver significant performance improvements, uh, particularly in the area of lower latencies even without the full six gigahertz band, but, and this is the important, but the full, the kind of the full benefits of Wi-Fi 7 plus fiber are really only possible with the availability of that spectrum. And so countries where that is available are gonna really have a leg up in terms of the experiences that they're able to deliver to the end user. 
So this gives you a little bit of idea in terms of the, the momentum, momentum we're seeing, both of the generations of Wi-Fi as well as six gigahertz in particular. And so you'll see here we are, 2024, Wi-Fi 7, of course, you've seen early, uh, early devices that have been making their way out to market. But really 2024 is the beginning of that inflection point of mass market adoption of Wi-Fi 7. One of the main reasons you're gonna see that inflection point is the introduction of Wi-Fi Certified 7. And the Wi-Fi Alliance certification program for each, for each generation of technology typically serves as that inflection point for mass market adoption. Uh, the official announcement hasn't been made, but you can, you can expect that in the first quarter of this year, you're going to see Wi-Fi certified, uh, Wi-Fi certified 7 devices making their way to market. And so you see that there in this graph where, you know, really that, that uh, pickup in kind of a shift from Wi-Fi 6 over to Wi-Fi 7 is likely to happen. Now, 6 gigahertz in particular is incredibly exciting, where we're seeing about 2.5 billion uh, 6 gigahertz devices shipping in 2028. So that's roughly, roughly half of all devices shipping, both Wi-Fi 6E and Wi-Fi 7, are going to be 6 gigahertz enabled. Okay, so now jumping into, okay, Wi-Fi Certified 7, what is it? Why should you care about it when you're looking at, you know, equipment to deploy in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in complement with your combination with fiber services? I would say that the uh, kind of the marquee feature that you really hear people talking about is what's something called multi-link operation or MLO. Um, and that's the, the kind of that orange one you see in the middle. And what this does, there's really two flavors of it. There's multi-link operation where you're doing aggregation, meaning you're able to take simultaneous connections in the 2.4, 5, and 6 gigahertz bands, aggregate those together, and send data packets simultaneously over all three of those bands, right? So really increasing the capacity of what, what is available. Uh, this is particularly important, let's say, in a region that may not have the full 6 gigahertz band available. You're going to see aggregation of 5 and 6 gigahertz to try and approximate what might be possible with 6 gigahertz. Now, if you have all three bands available, you start to see some really amazing speeds, uh, approaching 40 gigabits per second with Wi-Fi. Right. So again, speed, speeds that previously would have been unheard of using a wireless technology, particularly in the mid-band spectrum. Now, the other really interesting, exciting capability that comes with MLO is addressing latencies. And this is where rather than aggregating the bands together and sending data across all of them simultaneously, you can have a client device or a gateway that is operating in all three bands, and then as a latency sensitive packet, let's say it's for this, the Zoom call or go, go to webinar uh, session we're on right now, it's actually looking at which band, which medium is available at any given time. And it sends that packet over the first available link. So you can almost think of it as approaching a traffic light. You can go left, you can go straight, you can go right. Well, if you happen to get a red light, let's say on the five gigahertz band, because another device is transmitting, you can immediately send that packet over another band that might be available. And it might be even 2.4 gigahertz, which is not typically kind of your, your main band for performance, but you can get some of these latency sensitive packets out over the band or in the six gigahertz band. So we've seen some incredible demonstrations of this where even in a congested, uh, more conference, you know, conference uh, seminar type environment, something like a CES, you're getting 
you know, down sub 20 millisecond latency consistently, 99.9% of the time. And that's in, in, increasingly important with the applications that you're starting to see using Wi-Fi, things like, you know, VR, et cetera, or just even basic gaming, right? Uh, just where with your, you know, late, latest PlayStation, for example. Um, of course, in addition, we have things like 320 megahertz channels, which can double the overall performance. This gets important on handsets. You know, a mobile device is not going to generally put four or eight antennas in a, in a smartphone. So it's more likely they're having two, two streams. And the, the ability to use these wider channels is what gets them into the multi-gigabit data rates uh, to those handsets. Things like 4K QAM, just higher order modulations, give you like 20% improvement in performance there. Um, the other ones I'll maybe just briefly touch on, triggered uplink access. This is another one which is very important for latency sensitive applications, and it really allows for more scheduled uplink, right? So, uh, you know, downlink has often been the focus for, for broadband, but increasingly we're seeing that uplink traffic is, is not that it's more important, but it's becoming on par in terms of the level of importance. Um, the final thing I'll, I'll just briefly highlight is, um, while obviously Wi-Fi 7 is very much what the industry and is focused on, and you know, media and tech press tend to be focused on the, the, each generation, the Wi-Fi certified data elements is kind of an unsung hero here, and it's, it's incredibly important for the operator uh, community. And what this is, is essentially it's, it's a standardized data model for a lot of the data and telemetry that operators need to manage the quality of service in the network environment down in the home, right? So there have been kind of proprietary ways to do this. Each operator may be doing their own thing. Well, now you have a standardized way where you can look at, okay, what does the spectrum utilization look like? You know, what is the signal strength to each of the devices down in the network? Do I need to start moving a device from one channel to another or one AP to another? So the standardization of this really kind of opens the door for a more consistent view into the network environment in the home uh, in a way that, that the, uh, the manufacturer community can implement it once and then it works for everybody, right? So it's really kind of that promise and that, that benefit of standardization. Um, and we see we just see this already being incorporated, this data model being incorporated into uh, data models, for example, from the, the broadband forum. This has been rolled up into their own standardization efforts, uh, uh, TR, you know, TR369, et cetera. This is kind of one of the, under, the underlying data model for that. So uh, again, a lot going on within the industry. Uh, I think I'll probably go ahead and this should be the last slide. Uh, so I just wanna thank you all for your attention and, and Gary for the opportunity to be here. Uh, and really looking forward to some of the questions you may have. Hey, well, Kevin, um, I mean, as you indicated, you know, you get a gigabit to your house, but then you're sipping from a straw if you don't have the right Wi-Fi network. Um, well, let me just start with what what is the competition in the house? I mean, you know, we see, uh, so Wi-Fi, we kind of think is the, the, the facto, but, you know, you got 5G, Bluetooth, Z-Wave, Zigbee, all those other stuff. It, is there a threat to, I mean, is how do you know that Wi-Fi will be the in-home connectivity going forward? Mm -hmm. So it says, um, the home environment is going to be, there are going to be multiple technologies. That's just, that is the reality of it. That said, in the home, Wi-Fi is moving the lion's share of, of data, 
full stop, right? It, it is the workhorse in the home, it's the workhorse in the enterprise. Um, we do not see that changing. You're gonna see other technologies that uh, have a little more niche application. Uh, obviously Bluetooth is gonna be there. You know, my, my mouse is Bluetooth right right here. Um, that, that's gonna, those things are gonna continue. Um, but I think when you look at, let's say what the, the fiber community is looking to deliver in terms of broadband, Wi-Fi will remain the most important in-home technology for the foreseeable future. All right. Well, you know, I always struggle with, you know, I have fiber to my house and then, you know, I was, my Zoom was crapping out and I'm like, what's going on? I do a speed test and I'm getting five meg upstream. And I realized that uh, my, the gateway, they have an old gateway and it's, you know, has crappy Wi-Fi. So how do we make sure that service providers are upgrading the gateways um, or do we, you know, everybody just needs to put in their own mesh Wi-Fi system or, or how are we going to make sure? Because, you know, I was even talking to CTL Plume and he was like, his daughter doesn't know the difference between internet and Wi-Fi. It's, you know, you get on your device and you expect that's the internet. Mm -hmm. No, that, and I was going to make that exact same point. I mean, to 95% of people out there, Wi-Fi is the internet, right? It, that, that's, they're, they're synonymous. They're one and the same. And in fact, Wi-Fi sometimes will actually get the blame where it might be a poor broadband connection. You may have the latest and greatest Wi-Fi, you hook it up to DSL, well, I'm sorry, you're getting DSL speeds, right? Um, so, but to answer your question, the Wi-Fi provides the tools, particularly with the latest generations of Wi-Fi, to deliver above and beyond the performance that you're going to get from you know, pretty much any service provider in terms of the speeds that they're bringing into the home. Wi-Fi can handle that capacity, right? That that's 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 been the case for quite some time. Um, I think that the the answer to your question is that the market is already driving this, right? You see you see vendors, uh, you know, Comcast is a great example. Uh, there there are certainly others where they are they're really driving their um, business growth, not just from the broadband that is coming into the home but from more of the promises or setting the expectations on the overall level of quality and performance that you're going to get from that Wi-Fi network. So many people are, are very happy to pay the service provider, not only for the broadband, but also just to hands off, you manage my Wi-Fi network. You make sure that it's the best possible experience. And that's where things like that Wi-Fi data elements come in is the service providers need the tools to be able to do that. Um, and in other cases, it might, you know, the, the, the consumer might say, well, hey, my service provider's not doing it for me. They don't offer that, that premium service. I'm gonna go buy the latest and greatest mesh system, you know, a, a Netgear TP-Link system, what have you, off the shelf. And Wi-Fi is great and it gives you both of those options and it, it kind of creates that, that market, um, that mar those market forces that somebody is going to solve the problem because it has to be solved. Um, it's just a matter of who's gonna do that. And hopefully it's the fiber and the fixed so Kevin. Yeah. Just um, how much Wi-Fi six and six E is out there today? What percentage uh, so, of them are covered with? Yeah, yeah. So, so Wi-Fi six, we we are well past the the fifty percent. A number of years ago, we were already past the fifty percent point in terms of uh, gear being shipped, right? So, uh, I'm trying to think of the number. Now. In fact, if we, went, if we went back to the other slide, it would be on there. But um, you can see that. You know, we are well over 50% of every single device today is Wi-Fi 6 or greater, right? That, that's the reality. The every phone, every phone is going to be Wi-Fi 6 or greater. Um, 
it's it's very rare to see except in the 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 very lower end devices to see like an access point that's not wi-fi 6. right but if you get a gateway you bought your fiber service five years ago what's the chances of um, that operator running out and upgrading that probably zero right i would say um, mo most operators are on a pretty uh, a, a pretty um consistent upgrade cycle as they're moving through. And of course, some of them may sell themselves as a premium tier. Like if you want the latest device right now, um, they may have, you know, like a gigabit when, typically it's when they're selling their gigabit packages, they're going to give you those higher tier Wi-Fi 6 APs. Because they know so that- a ton, of, ton of questions here. Let me just kind of run through those. Yeah, sure. You know, it's like Wi-Fi 7 is great, but um, Wi-Fi 8 will be out, you know, in a few years. And so, you know, the the cost of up, you know, training all the employees to go out and go from Wi-Fi six, six E to seven, and then go to eight. So, is it better just to wait and skip it and go to eight? Why why would you go to seven? Well, I'll tell you now. Wi-Fi eight's not even defined yet. We we don't even know what Wi-Fi eight is. So, um, I would say if you're waiting four plus years to even start a rollout, and you're on Wi-Fi five, let's say, um, that's <laughs> You know, you're you're going to be well behind the curve with pretty much what is typical market stakes. Okay, what do you think about um, what is the real world speeds we should see this year with Wi-Fi seven? So that is going to differ from vendor to vendor, right? Because they they can pick and choose kind of what are what are the features they're putting into their devices. Bottom line, um, you're seeing multi gigabit speeds. I would say that Wi-Fi seven is going to be able to serve the anything that you're typically bringing into the home in terms of broadband you know, three, four, five gigabit per second, Wi-Fi 7 can do it. All right, so help me out with, you know, when I have 2.4 gigahertz and then five gigahertz, and now we're looking at six gigahertz. Um, so, I, I mean, it's great that you can be able to aggregate those together or be able to um, allow this to automate, select the, the best route, the best uh, stream uh, for latency and so forth. But I always find that Wi-Fi or the five gigahertz doesn't work worth shit. And I have to put everything on 2.4 gigahertz. So when when would you use 2.4 versus five versus six? Because it seems like that the it's you don't have as much uh, distance and performance at higher speeds. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, and I think it's so. What you highlight is one of the reasons why you increasingly are seeing mesh systems in the home. Um, yes, five gigahertz in a home. Most typical homes in the U.S. you probably want to see two, maybe three. APs to fully cover it in five gigahertz. Um, but the bottom line is to get the performances you want to see, you need to be in five gigahertz. You're not going to get it in 2.4 alone. And increasingly six gigahertz, right? Because that gets you that nice clean spectrum. All right. Hold on here. I got to be able to read these small questions. All right. Is 20 milliseconds good enough for gamers or or will they continue to wired Ethernet? There are always going to be people who, who want to get lower and lower. Right? You know, I think that generally in that, you know, uh, sub 20, some cases you're getting like 10 milliseconds, seven millisecond, uh, probably sufficient for all, but the most, you know, the people who really are want to eke out every last little, little bit out of it, but certainly can support things like VR use cases, right? Where you want to make sure you're not having any of the disorientation that comes with the uh, issues of latency. Okay. And then, you know, one of the questions came in is a lot of devices are just 2.4 gigahertz, like a ring doorbell and so forth. So are you able to just, um, segment and be able to put all your 2.4 gigahertz on that band and then be able to leverage the other bands? Yeah, absolutely. You're you're going to see combinations and all these bands work seamlessly together. Uh, the great thing with Wi-Fi 7, last point I'll make is 
Wi-Fi 7 and Wi-Fi 6 before this did the same thing. It's bringing all these capabilities also into the 2.4 gigahertz band. It is going to kind of extend the life of the band and kind of breathe some some uh, breathe some life into the band. Uh, so yes, you are going to see Wi-Fi 6 devices that are 2.4 only, particularly the example you said of, of more IoT. But once you start bringing video in, I will say that the other bands become increasingly important. Well, well Kevin, uh, I mean, Wi-Fi is absolutely critical to the you know the consumer experience with broadband, and so I really appreciate. Um, our relationship with the Wi-Fi Alliance, your leadership there, and thanks for sharing your expertise this morning on Fire for Breakfast. Uh, thank everybody for joining us today and look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. Our guest is going to be Tyler Cooper, the Editor-in-Chief, the President and CEO of Broadband Now, in a session called Broadband First, access to fiber internet surpasses 50% of U.S. households. This new research. So you're not going to want to miss that. Thanks again, Kevin. And uh, well, Happy New Year to everybody.